0: Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net. We have myself, Evan, we have David and Nick here today. And crazy enough, this is actually going to be our last recording uh, before the end of the regular season. So with that being said, for today's episode, uh, we're going to go around the horn and give some of our award winners for the year. Um, And at the end, we'll do a quick uh, conference finals and finals prediction as where things are right now. So um, we will get right into it. We'll start first. um, So for each of these, we'll each go around and and give our winner, if we have one, and our reasoning why. First one we'll start with is the new award for this year, which is the Clutch Player of the Year Award. Um, David, do you want to start with your Clutch Player of the Year, if you have one?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I'm going to look at uh, Julius Randle the New York Knicks Mm -hmm. Uh, in the, I guess you could Define it as clutch time period. He had about a 33.8, almost 34 uh, field goal percentage. And then averaged about two to three points in those last three minutes, which isn't a lot, but when you need it, you need it.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, he's had some big games too. I think there was one. I think the one I remember is against the Heat, I want to say. He hit like some crazy three-pointer um, where the ball was like getting bounced around, and then he just grabbed it and nailed it. So he's been good this year after a little bit of a down year last year. He's had a good season, a good bounce back this year, and the Knicks are in a, in a good position where it's looking like they'll be seeing the Cavs in the first round. So that'll be an interesting series, exactly. Uh, Nick, who do you have for your clutch player? Um, I have Deion Fox. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think it's I. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Like I think we talked about it, what a, a couple episodes ago, or maybe an episode mm-hmm. ago, about how he has the basically the most clutch points in the NBA right now. Um, so I mean, the the Kings are right there in playoff contention. I think if if they hit their stride at the right time, um, they could potentially you know go pretty far. So I think hopefully that transitions into the playoffs. I think that's a big thing. I think clutch player of the year. I think should also maybe determine, it, determine it, be determined whether or not a team's maybe in playoff contention. And maybe that's mm. something that continues through the playoffs. And then maybe once we get to the finals, you know, after we've seen most of the playoffs before the finals, that clutch player of the year award is handed out to somebody. Cause I do think that like um being clutch in the playoffs matters as well. Um, but I do think De'Aaron Fox is definitely somebody who deserves to to be, you know, on the list.
1: Not to mention the Sacramento Kings clinched, too.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep, last night they finally broke the – they had the longest playoff drought in professional sports or major professional sports, I guess. Yeah, I think Um, I just saw something that says the Jets are now – (laughs) <laughs> uh, the longest ones but hopefully they get Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah I was gonna say what well, the Mariners got it and then the Kings got it so maybe it maybe the Jets will get it this upcoming season I like what uh your idea about that clutch player of the year potentially factoring in playoffs I know all these other awards are just regular season awards but I think that would be one that would be interesting um especially because it's like it's I don't know it's not as big of an award or doesn't have as big of a history at least obviously this is its first year so I think ultimately clutchness is in the biggest moments which obviously the playoffs is so I'd be I'd be interested to see if they do something like that you know after this year or you know after the next couple of years if they decide to move or consider the playoffs for that too but I also had De'Aaron Fox for my clutch player of the year award a couple stats like you said uh, Nick, he does lead the league in clutch points, um, which is considered a game within five points under five minutes left. So he leads the league in that. He's shooting almost 54% in the clutch in those same time periods. And the Kings in those games are 22 and 15. So um, I think it's it's been pretty clear for me, at least, uh, that he's been great in the clutch and that the Kings... I've had some really exciting games that Unfortunately, a lot of them on the West Coast. So I'm not seeing most of them live because it's like one in the morning um, for us. But they've had some exciting games that he's made some big moments in as well. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see how that award continues to progress because um, this is the first new award, at least that I know of in a long, a long time that the NBA has given out. So we'll move on to our next award, which is coach of the year. Um, we'll start with you, Nick, this time, if you have your coach to you. Yeah, for me, I have, um, I kind
2: of picked two, like one for each side, okay. uh, just because, I. but I'll give like my first one. I, I think going back to the Kings, Mike Brown, I think that he should be the front runner, uh, just like I thought, um, I'm blanking, but the Cavs head coach. Um,
0: Maybe. Hmm. JB.
2: Yes, JB Bakerstaff Sorry. I thought he should have, um you know, obviously last year for what the run that they went on. But, you know, they kind of fizzled out towards the end. I think that might have hurt, hurt it a little bit. But I think that, you know, they've stayed pretty consistent. You know, they have the clutch player of the year on their team. Um, I think, you know, they have a lot of good young pieces around them. They have some guys that could potentially win some more awards on that team, depending on how the season ends out but i just think that he's done a phenomenal job. They're third in the west and you know like i said i think if they can hit their stride at the right time this is a team that we could see make a pretty deep run in the playoffs just because it seems like they have fun and they they play well together. Mm-hmm. Um my runner up is another team that is hasn't been together the whole season um but this is a fun team we've talked about them before and you know this is a team that went from having you know arguably two of two top five players in the league um to losing them at the trade deadline putting a team together and you know they're still in playoff contention in the east and I'm talking about Jacques Fon with the Nets I think what he's been able to do there um is just phenomenal it reminds me a lot of uh you know what what the Raiders had um after you know the gruden stuff and and i gave a lot of credit to that coaching staff and everything i think you know the nets have this this same quality their coaching staff and i think you know Jacques Van has done an amazing job you know to keep them in at sixth place if they can stay around six then stay out of the play-in um i think that's a phenomenal position for them to be in again this is a fun young team and they have like three or four I would say like three dudes on that team that could go off for like 30 something at any point. Obviously they're young. Obviously Spencer Dinwiddie is not, you know, a guy who's super consistent in that. But again, if they get hot, nobody wants, nobody wants to see the, you know, those guys, those guys go off. And I think that's a, that's going to be a fun team to watch. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. He was definitely one. And even when, you know, obviously They were struggling um, just to keep everyone on the floor at times before the KB and Kyrie trade. But once he took over from Steve Nash and when those two guys were playing, the Nets were one of the best teams in the league. Um, And so I think he proved success in coaching, you know, stars, but then also proved now through this last part of the season that he can coach a young up and coming team. So. Um, I'm sure they're going to want him to stick around for, for years to come, and I'm excited to see where he can take that team in the upcoming years too. David, who would you have for your Coach of the Year?
1: Yeah, I was looking at Mike Brown as well. Um, he took a team that had, as we mentioned, the longest playoff drought in um, ever since the Seattle Mariners finally broke theirs last, just last season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the last time that they were in the playoffs, I heard was in 2006, roughly.
0: I think that's a, it was, it was sometime in that early 2000s. Yeah.
1: It was in the mid early to mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that he was able to do that and, and on a team without, I guess you could say a superstar, like he did with the Cavs, um, and LeBron James, I think certainly shows that he can coach and be a decent coach if given the right tools.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I just looked it up. You were exactly right, David May 5th, 2006, the last Kings playoff game before their next playoff game. So that's huge. And I actually, all three of us had Mike Brown. I had Mike Brown as well. Um, I think just based on the fact that the Kings have really been the biggest overachievers in the league this year, I was I was looking back at some predictions I made before the season of just where I thought the standings would be. I think I had the Kings 11th or 12th, and I and for me I would have been like that'll be a good season for them if they're you know right on that play in play in push and they're the third seed right now. At times they were the second seed earlier this season, and like you said, David, they don't have a, a top five player in the game. They don't have a LeBron. They don't have a Kevin Durant they have two guys that play really well together and De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, and then a bunch of guys around them that, that fit in. Um, and a lot of that is on coaching. You know, when you, when you don't have those stars getting real players to understand their role and to fit in um, a lot of that falls on the coach. And I think Mike Brown has done a great job with that. Also in the last, I looked up in the last 15 years, Mike Brown is the 12th coach for the Kings. And so that just shows how volatile and how hard it is to win uh, with that franchise because, you know, they've had almost a coach a year in the last 15 years. And luckily for them, it looks like, you know, Mike Brown's going to be around for a few more years in the future. And I think he might be their guy to to help them right now. And um, I always have a good, I always have a soft place in my heart for, you know, the days that he used to coach those LeBron, LeBron teams like you talked about too. So Next one, and this one, I think this one maybe is more of more up in the air than um, you know the last two awards, and this one is Sixth Man of the Year. Um, I'll go ahead and give mine first this time. And I was looking at this one. Uh, it was extremely close for me between three guys, um, and I looked at a lot of stats and kind of what I consider between stats and between team performance, what I consider to be, like, the most important for a Sixth Man, and I kind of ended up with, my rankings for those three guys was Emmanuel Quickly third, Malcolm Brogdon second, and I actually went with Bobby Fortas as my sixth man of the year. Um, just a couple of his stats right now, 13.8 points per game, 9.6 rebounds per game, which is 13th in the NBA regardless of you know starting or coming off the bench, which I thought was pretty impressive, and 1.6 assists per game. And then for me, the thing that kind of tipped it is he's also much more impactful defensively than those other two guys. Um, in defensive rating, just individual defensive rating, he's 31st in the league, again, regardless of uh, you know starter or coming off the bench. He's rated in that category as the 31st best defender in the league. The other two guys I was looking at were 237 and 180. So <laughs> I just saw that defensive metric, and, um, and based on the fact that he's helped lead Milwaukee to the number one overall record in the league right now. Um, and he's such a spark plug for them. And so that's how that's how I came to the conclusion of putting him at the number one spot for me. Nick, who did you have for six
2: man? Um, I'll say this. Uh, my list is pretty much the same as yours. Um, a lot of the same reasons. The only other name that I'm going to add to this list, which is probably going to be a little bit funky, um, but I'm going to throw Austin Reeves' name in there. Only because, not necessarily that he's like the best scorer on this list, or maybe even the best defender on this list. But I think with how turbulent the Lakers have been, and you talk about a guy who can, who's come off the bench or maybe even started at times for the team, he's been the one consistent guy. And I think that's when you look at a six man, a guy who can consistently play good minutes for you, a guy that can consistently get the most out of the guys around him. Um, Seems like he's a big spark plug guy. And especially when you talk about these last like two weeks where it's been Mm -hmm. so pivotal, pivotal, pivotal (laughs) that the Lakers win games. And he's been so like, energetic, he's been in it, he's had some big games, and I think that, you know, obviously I don't think he's going to win it, but I do think that he deserves to have his name, you know, added to that list, like a fourth name to that list. Um, And I don't think very many people are talking about him in that, you know, in that regard. Um, I just think that the Lakers have really found you know, a guy they had Alex Caruso, who was a guy just like that. I think Austin Reeves is is a better basketball player. Um, And I think that he is an even better spark plug for them and even better leader that he's turning into. Um, so I just think that he deserves to have his name on that list just for what he's been able to do for them this season and being the one consistent, you know, person on that team.
1: Well, they are talking about Austin Reeves, but he's been more of a meme than anything in <laughs> <seen> that picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he, a meme. It's always those guys like him and Caruso. I think that we're both, um, big memes, but like I think they only get to that point because they've been pivotal to the to the mm. Lakers' team's success in those in those years. And yeah, I mean Reeves has been huge for them, um, especially you know in the time since LeBron has gone out and now has since returned. But in that time, he put up some huge games to get them wins. And if he didn't play as well, who's to say if the Lakers are even? You know in the mix they might have they might have played themselves out of it by that point so he's been huge for them and um yeah I think that's a great addition to to you know that handful of people who could who could make a push for six man of the year I feel like maybe for him just because a lot of it turned on in this last you know month or so that might be why it's some people say it's a little too late but again that's the most important part of the season right now especially for them fighting to to get into the play in and fight their way into the playoffs. But I love that. I love that addition. Um, David, who did you have for your sixth man of the year? All
1: right. I actually went with Emmanuel quickly of the Knicks. Um, He averaged about 14 points a game rebounds. Uh, He averaged about four points a game uh, with three little over three assists a game. And averaged about forty-five percent at the field goal level, which is still pretty impressive, regardless. I think all of these picks, regardless of who it is and on one on what team, I think were really, really important to whoever they play for and where they are on the standings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point. And I think um, I think I like this year's six man of the year race too, because I feel like a lot of times in years past, it used to just kind of be like who scored the most points off the bench, Um, which obviously scoring points is a very important part of basketball, but there, we all know there's a lot more to it. And so I agree that I think this year, you know, the guys that we mentioned, Brogdon, Portis, Quickly, Reeves, they have scored for their teams, but they've also helped out in ways besides scoring Um and all of them have been extremely pivotal, Like you said, David, now I, now I said pivotable, like you said, David, extremely pivotal <laughs> <My bad. laughs> to
1: their teams. I mean, being you are successful. an inspiration there, Nick. So
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this was one of the ones too, where, you know, I would just be happy for any of these guys to get this award. Um They've all played extremely hard. And, you know, for some of these guys, they easily could be starters on other teams. And I think it, also shows their character that they've taken their bench role, you know, with grace and they've just still gone out there and put everything out on the floor for it. So happy to see whoever, whoever wins the six man award. Next award we have is another one that I think is going to be a little bit tightly contested, at least between a few people. Um, But that's the most improved player award. Um, David, I'll start with you this time. Who'd you have for your most improved player?
1: I'm actually going to go Jalen Brunson. I'm not doing this because he's a New York Nick. Are you actually-
0: Knicks fan now, David? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'm saying this because this year he averaged 23.6 points per game versus 16.3 mm-hmm. just last season. Then on top of that, he scored uh, from the three-point line of the time versus 37.3% of the time last year in terms of three point percentage. So the fact that not only a, is he scoring more points, but he's becoming more consistent in the three point realm, which is what is, I guess you could say popular now in the modern game is just very impressive.
0: Yeah. He's been, he's been great for the Knicks this year and, uh, I really, I really would think if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I would really regret letting him, letting him get away with some of the struggles that they've had. Um, and how good he could have been next to Luca. Um, you know, if they just made some other improvements on their team defensively, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure they are not, I'm sure they're kicking themselves for letting him, him get away and go to New York. And before the season, some people thought, oh, you know, did New York pay too much for him? But I think he's, he's come out and shown that he was worth. Every bit of that contract that he gave him. Um, Nick, who did you have for your most improved player? Uh for me, I think that I know it's close. There's a, probably a lot
2: of a lot of guys that, that we had a lot of movement, I think, this offseason too, which and then yeah. the trade deadlines. that I think that helped um give some guys some opportunities that may not have had opportunities. <laughs> um, because maybe they're playing next to another superstar, or maybe their role was diminished. But I think a guy I'm not going to say he's a clear cut, but I do think that he should be at the top of a lot of lists. I have Laurie Markkinen. Um, You know, you talk about a guy who went from 15 points last year to 26 points this year, six rebounds last year to nine rebounds this year. He increased by, a, you know, an assist. He's shooting 50% this year. Um, and on top of that, you know, I know that they're not necessarily in the plan right now, but I feel like they've always consistently been – in playoff talks this year. I think they probably slipped a little bit and maybe that was a little bit by design depending on who you were playing. And not, not saying they were purposely losing, but, you know, Victor Wambanyama. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine Laurie marketing and Victor Wambanyama next to each other. Wow. All right. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who clearly went from, you know, the third or fourth guy on a team to being like, okay, this is your team now. Do what you want with it. And they went on a crazy run at the beginning of the season. The first, like, I would say third of the season, you were like, are are they going to be a playoff team? <laughs> really? Is this yeah. what we're doing right now? Um, obviously, like I said, I think they started kind of losing games. But um, I, I do think that, that he has taken a huge jump and he has shown everybody that, you know, he's ready to be the focal point of a team whether that's the main focal point or he has another guy that's there with him I think that that he definitely could be a guy that could lead a team and I've said it I've said it every episode we've done we talk about the Cavs this is the biggest mistake I think that they will go back and look at from that trade I think you will regret this for a long time um obviously we got Donovan Mitchell that's huge but I think if you could have done something to keep Laurie marketing around a guy like that, I think that's um, I think that's a big mistake. But I, I do think that, that he should be on the top of a lot of people's most improved players list.
0: Yeah, I think it, it makes me wonder, like, you know, you keep bringing up that, that trade and it makes me wonder if maybe the Jazz saw a bit, you know, probably didn't even see this much, but maybe they saw a bit more in him and, you know, maybe it was kind of, the thing where it was, you know, if you want Donovan Mark, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you have to give us Lori Donovan Markkinen. Markkinen, Donovan Markkinen. <laughs> <laughs> if you want Donovan Mitchell, maybe they said, you know, you have to include Laurie in that deal. Um, who knows? We don't know. We won't know what those conversations were like, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case for me on most improved player. Um, There's a couple people that I was thinking of. Uh, I was thinking of Jalen Brunson as well with you, David. He was in my list. Um, even Shade Gillis. Shea Gilders Alexander, um, just going, you know, pretty much catapulting himself to a top 10 player in the league, maybe similar to the jump that like Ja Morant had last year when he won the award. But I ended up also going with, for my most improved player pick, Laurie Markkinen, um, just from his stats last year, he was at 14 points, 14.8 points per game all the way up to 27. Oh my gosh. 25.7 this year. Um, Last year, rebounds, he had 5.7 per game. This year, he's up to 8.6. And last year, he had 1.3 assists per game, up this year to 1.9. So in all three of those major categories, he improved significantly while also shooting the ball better from two-point range, three-point range, and the free throw line than last year. So it's a lot of times you see people's scoring go up, and maybe it's just because they're shooting more shots. And while Laurie Markin is shooting more shots, he's also shooting them more efficiently, um, which is really hard to do. And he was an all-star starter. You know, there were some injuries. Um, I think Zion was the main one that was that he replaced in the all-star starters list. But I think that's pretty huge, huge. And like you talked about the Jazz being a surprise team, I went back and looked on my preseason predictions again, and I had them literally 15th last place in the West. Preseason, I was like, you know, they're going to be terrible. And while, like you said, they're right now on the outside looking into the plan, they were not nearly as bad as, you know, the Rockets or the Spurs um, or any of those teams. So he definitely bolstered them. And um, he's been out some of those games recently that they've lost. And so, you know, if he was playing in some of those games, they probably would have won even more. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, they've been looking at their games that they've been like the guys they've been starting. They're starting like Chris Dunn. Kalen Horton Tucker had 40 points last night for them. So they're definitely, uh, yeah, they're definitely maybe not putting the best guys out there all the time, but I can't say I blame them with who's in this upcoming draft class. Uh, Moving on to rookie of the year. And I can start on this one. Um, Ultimately it was pretty easy to pick the top guy for rookie of the year for me. Um, which was Paolo Banquero. He's just been the most consistent rookie all year long, in my opinion. Um, He's at 19.8 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game, 3.7 assists per game. Um, And he has the ninth most point point per game by a rookie since 2000. Um, So, you know, that's including guys like Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron, Carmelo. Those are a couple of guys above him. Um, But ninth most in 23 years, I would say pretty good um do want to give a a shout out to some other rookies that have been that played really well uh walker kessler another one for the jazz who's been just a really good defender right off right off rip and also jalen williams uh j J dub version um since they have two jalen williams on the thunder who are rookies um but he's been really impressive too coming out of santa clara you know a smaller school and he's really played well and has been a big part of the thunders somewhat surprising play and push as well. But for me, Paulo Banquero was the pick for rookie of the year. Nick, who do you have? I,
2: I agree. I think uh is probably a lot of people's firsts. Um, I, I do think that uh, Benedict Matherin is pretty close. I, I think that he's really kind of... Um, come on strong and and I don't think a lot of people expected him <laughs> to mm-hmm. be a, as as good as he is but averaging like basically 17 points a game for rebounds an assist and he's shooting the, basically the same percentage um I think a little bit better percentage from the floor than uh Paulo is and definitely better three-point uh percentage than palo is obviously both their teams are bottom of the East so you can't really say that one has helped their <laughs> team win more than the other um, they're both rookies you can't really put that on them um a little bit unrealistic unless you're LeBron James then they expected him to win a championship year one but you know I think that I don't think he's too far behind him I wouldn't be surprised if some people put him over top of him I th- I think they're very close to each other um I think Paolo will probably win it just because he's the bigger name he's in Orlando he's getting a little bit more attention um you know what I mean? He 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 does have the twenty on um, basically twenty points, basically seven rebounds, and basically four assists. So he is a little bit better, um, or he's averaging more in like the three major categories. But uh, like I said, I don't think they're too far from each other. I would not be surprised if if Benedict comes away with it um, over Paolo.
0: Yeah, he had a strong start, and I would say probably if I was doing this halfway through the season, I probably would have had him as Rookie of the Year. I think um, he's had some. I think some small injuries and stuff where he hasn't been as great as he was. Cause he started, I mean, he started the season crazy, crazy good. I think he was like, he was coming off the bench too. So a lot of people had him as their sixth man of the year for like a good majority of the season. So he's definitely a great player and I'm excited to see where he goes. And I think he probably will, you know, get some votes for rookie of the year as well. David, who did you have for your rookie of the year?
1: I had the, I had Paolo as well. So I won't, Hello. <laughs> I won't, uh, just, I won't repeat the same stuff, over. <laughs> but yes, I had Paulo as well.
0: All right. We're consistent on that one. We're consistent on that one. Um, moving into, uh, you know, some of the, I think one of the, one of the biggest awards is defensive player of the year. Um, and so I will throw it over to you, David first, this is a tough one. I know a lot of people have different opinions on this one, but who did you have for your defensive player of the year?
1: I really, it was, like you said, a little bit difficult, um, but I did go with Brooke Lopez as well. Um, average about 6.8, about seven rebounds per game. You're looking at about three blocks per game as well on average. Um, and then only did it with about two, two and a half fouls per game, mm. which is impressive. The fact that you got this guy who can do a decent job at defending the rim and getting your rebounds whenever you both offensive and defensively um, without ever risking fouling out ever. Yeah. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Um, The fouls part of it. And one thing that's been impressive about Brook Lopez too, is he's had different, you know, key defenders on his team out for different stretches. You know, Giannis has had some small little injuries here and there Drew holiday, yeah. same with him. Um, and Chris Middleton, although not as good as those three guys still a good defender. Um, but Brooke Lopez, even though he's the older, oldest of the group, the elder, he's been pretty much the one that's been consistently in the lineup and he's bolstered their defense, which has been really good all year. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick. What do you have, Nick?
2: I I do agree with brooke Lopez a lot. That was one when I kind of looked at it and I was like, "But oh, brooke Lopez is so old." um <laughs> But like he's, but he's. I I think I think this shows to everybody like, yes, you know, in sports it's super important you, to be young, athletic, fast. um But that's not all that that matters. I think Brook Lopez is one of those guys where if you were to be like who wins the highest IQ award. I think Brooke Lopez is a guy where you could be like, he's been so good at just putting himself in the right spots Mm -hmm. and not forcing things and knowing how to force guys to take shots that they might be uncomfortable with. So he stays out of foul trouble that he's been a really good defender in that sense. And I think that's something that, you know, you just get with experience and time. And if you can continue to grow that over your career, you could continue to play, you know, into, as you get older and older, um, even if your minutes diminish a little bit, but you can still be super effective. Um, And I think that's something that's, that's crazy important. I I honestly think though, too, like, when I was kind of making this list for everything, I wanted to make sure that, at least for me, that it looked like players had already played uh, close to 65 games or might get Mm. to that point. Um, I've always kind of looked at that. I think the NBA hopefully will implement the 65 games. I think that's a good number. You know, we... It's a little bit less than, um, you know, 20 games less than what they play in the season. So I think that's a good number. That's a realistic number. Um, but I do think that the flashy pick is probably going to be Jaron Jackson. You know, you look at a guy with 3.1 blocks a game, 1.1 steals. Like, obviously, I've, you know, doing my research, that seems like the guy that a lot of people want to go with. Um and well deserved. He's played a really good defensive season this year, but I I do I do think the Brook Lopez pick is a, I I don't know. I just think that would be so cool and so fun, and I think it would, again, just push this narrative of like it. Learn the game. You know what I mean. Learn how to play the game. Understand it. You know. Watch film. Watch tape. Understand the people that you're playing against, and uh, and I think that's just I don't know. I think that would be a phenomenal fun thing to just see him get that award over some of these other guys and and when you look back at the history of the defensive player of the world and you see brooke lopez at like 100 years old and you're just like what the f-?
0: <laughs> what is happening right now but and I think the fact it,
1: that he's related to the Cavs caveman
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> robin yeah no um brooke lopez has been great this season and one thing that whenever i think of him and especially this year it's, it's shown me just how important it is to be adaptable over your career. Um, you know, Brook Lopez used to be this guy. He was never a bad defender. I don't think he was ever, like, considered one of the top defenders in the league when he was, you know, in his quote-unquote prime. Um, and he was also a, a scorer. He was a guy that was going to get down in the post and score 20 points a game. And um, But now he's adapted to become this leader of this amazing defense and a three point shooter which he wasn't really either of those things earlier in his career so that always impresses me i think him and al horford i always think of as guys that have really done a great job of like being adaptable and have really extended their careers significantly because you know you could have seen if if those two guys just kind of stayed with their ways of trying to get the ball down in the post and you know kind of being good defenders but not amazing i feel like they might have been out of the league 2 3 years ago and now they're both extremely strong contributors on the two top teams in the league with the the, the bucks the and the Celtics. Yeah, I mean it's, it's all about like value. Like I said, I mean yeah. you these these
2: guys aren't going to be guys that I mean they could if you asked them to probably one game and they need a couple games off but they could give you 40 minutes yeah. a game if you needed them to be but these are guys that can come off the bench and give you a super solid like 16 to 24 minute game and I think that's for I I it is crazy when you think of, you know, the longevity that that they've been able to play. You know, we talk about guys like LeBron or Chris Paul um that are playing, you know, probably will play into their 40s, but we're missing, you know, um, you know, Udonis Haslam, like these guys that have super high IQs that have just been able to put themselves in the right positions in games and help their teams win, Um, I think is like, I don't know. I just think is invaluable and I think it'd be fun to see him win.
0: Yeah, no, that's huge. I had a, this one was really another one that was really, really close for me. Um, And I do want to say, uh, I think that a lot of people think of this as a two-man race between Brooke Lopez and Jaron Jackson Jr., I think that's a bit unfair to Evan Mobley's particularly in what the Cavs have done defensively this season. I know Mobley and Allen, you know, are kind of both those leaders of the defense at different points, but at the same time, Allen has been out. And in the times that Allen has been out, the Cavs defensive rating has still been near, you know, would still be near the top of the league with, with Mobley anchoring. So And you know, just his versatility uh, is very similar to like Jaron Jackson Jr. He can guard anybody down low. He can get boards, but he can also uh, extend out onto the perimeter and you know guard um, point guards and shooting guards when he needs to on those switches. So um, I looked into a bunch of stats and for individual defensive stats and team defensive stats, and I really wanted to to give it to Evan Mobley. Um, But once I started digging into things, I ended up going with Nick would call the the flashy pick of Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Just just his stats and ultimately their team stats. Um, He's first in blocks per game. Like you said, that's the big flashy stat where he's at, you know, 3.1 blocks per game or whatever it is. Um, But he's also first in individual defensive rating. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, at least at the last time I checked, were first in team defensive rating. Um, And the biggest thing I thought of that kind of, held him over the edge for me is they've been without Stephen Adams for I think one month two months now um and you know while Jaron Jackson's their best defender Stephen Adams is still their center and they've still been able to keep up that top that top defensive um rating so for me um I really wanted to to show the Cavs some love or to show Brooke Lopez some love but once I also ultimately started getting you know really into the numbers I ended up going with jaron jackson jr um but this is another one where I would just be happy to see you know whoever gets it um I'd be happy to see that and just hope the uh Mobley's and allens of the world get a little bit of love on the you know maybe the all defensive teams um because if they don't make it on that then I'll then I'll be uh then I'll be protesting (laughs) um before, maybe before, real quick, we hop into most valuable player. Um, I'd be interested to real quick hear each of you guys' most disappointing team of the year and then most pleasantly surprising team of the year. Um, we can start with Nick, if you don't mind. Okay, well, I read
2: the question wrong. You said ple- that's okay. You, sh- you, sh- you should have put pleasantly surprising. I should have
0: put that. Um, but can you can you,
2: answer it. You can answer it the other way. So I'll go with that one first because it just says most surprising team of the year. You're and right. I went, I went most surprising team because they've been surprisingly awful um, <laughs> <laughs> in in the Mavericks. I think that, and it's not even been the whole year, but. Mm-hmm for whatever reason, it's just like, and you could see like, even like Luca's interview the other day where he's just like, I'm not having fun anymore. And you're like, well, why aren't you having fun anymore? Like what's wrong? Like (laughs) what is going on? Like this, you know, obviously we can't expect Luca to drag them, you know, super far. But I mean, last year, like it seemed like he kind of (laughs) did. Yeah. He kind of did. So I don't know what is, I don't know what's going on and this team has to figure it out because they have a generational talent on their team. And I'm not talking about Kyrie. So I'm talking about Luca. <laughs> um Kyrie is 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 a good player. I just think that I never really thought his fit with Luca was very good. I was kind of confused with that one. I think they probably should have kept the team that they had, but <laughs> whatever we'll move on um but that's surprisingly because they've been surprisingly bad I'll answer it to your point though I think the Kings Uh have been pleasantly surprising this year I think that's probably you know everybody's pick on that one just because I don't think anybody thought that they would be this good they probably people thought they'd be in playoff or play in contention towards the end of the year but I don't think everybody thought they would be third in the west (laughs) um For my most disappointing team of the year, they will be my most disappointing team of the year every year until they're not a top-four team in the East, and that's the Hawks. I don't really understand (laughs) what is happening. (laughs) Um, You have Trey Young, who, like, as an individual player, is probably arguably a top-10, top-15 player in the league. You could probably argue that. I don't think he falls out of the top-15. And the team around him is not it's not awful. It's not bad. Like it's not the best, but it's not awful. Like yeah. they should be in a way better position than what they are not fighting, you know, for a in spot. I think that's like, I, I just don't, I don't really understand what's happening or what's really going wrong there. Um, You look at them, they're like, Oh, we're, trying to get rid of john collins and i'm trying to get rid of this guy and you're like why i don't i don't understand well just let him play i don't understand what we're doing right now who are you gonna go get what? <laughs> oh man it just it frustrates me so much because i i just i don't know they should be so much better they 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 like you're talking about like the nets are six right now and i'm not like on next after i just gave him a compliment earlier but like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this is a team that doesn't have a Trey young. They don't have a guy like that. They just have a bunch of guys who are having fun playing really good basketball. And you talk about like the Knicks, like, I I mean, the Knicks are, are playing good, but I don't think they have a Trey young level guy like Jalen Brunson yeah. is really good. I like him. Julius Randle's is a really good player. I like him too, but they're not Trey young. So I don't understand where they went wrong and what's happening. And I think they really need to take a hard look in the mirror and, figure out if it's the rest of that roster and if they need to overhaul it or if it's Trey young and they need to move on from Trey young while they can like, let's sell high, maybe go get something, get some draft picks and let's kind of re reshuffle the deck here. Cause clearly something is not working. Um, and I think they should regret making that draft day trade. That's all I'll say. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was also looking at the Hawks. I didn't end up picking them for my most disappointing, but they've had a disappointing season and um, you know, yeah, you're right. They've been trying to shop John Collins for years and it can't be helping him play to the best of his ability. If he's just looking, you know, behind his shoulder saying, when am I going to get traded? Um, and then probably once he starts to accept that reality, okay, I'm, I'm ready for a fresh start. Oh, trade deadline comes. They didn't trade him. So now he's here. Now he's has to work with all the guys that have like been saying they want to trade him. So that's hard. And, they changed coaches. I think Quinn Snyder could be a good fit for them um, ultimately, but it's gonna be, you know, hard for him to really make a huge difference with the in-season hiring. And they traded, they made a big trade for DeJounte Murray, who was supposed to be, you know, this second guy, a, a good defender next to Trey Young, who was really supposed to elevate them. And, you know, I thought I really thought going into the season that four or five. I thought that'd be a big fight between the Cavs and the Hawks. I thought they'd have like almost this rivalry this season of going back and forth and, you know, who's going to be the the better young up and coming team. And luckily for us so far, it's clearly been the Cavs, um, but it was a bit of a surprise that they, they haven't performed a bit better this year. And I think you're right that in the off season, they'll have some very interesting decisions and tough decisions to make, but ultimately they got to look at themselves in the mirror and, you know, say if, if they want to, if they're okay with just being in the play in every year or, you know, maybe getting into the playoffs, but a first round exit, sure, that's fine. But much like the Mavericks, they got to take advantage of their generational talent in Trae young. Young. Um, but David, who did you have for most disappointing team of the year and most surprising team of the year? Uh,
1: for me, I had, for the most disappointing, I had the Dallas Mavericks. So, for pretty much the exact same reasons for, as Nick, and I think, (laughs) excuse me, I think they tried to make an effort for Kyrie thinking that he would be able to help uh, Luka Doncic, but let's be honest here. Kyrie doesn't help anyone but himself, and he's not the center of attention, even though he wants to be the center of attention, and he'll pretty much do anything to be that center of attention. So it, that trade never made any sense to me. And I think the most surprising team was the Utah Jazz. As you guys mentioned earlier, we all thought that they were going to be the last team in the West and have an off year, maybe get a top 10 pick. And here they are two away from the playing tournament.
0: Yeah. And for them, it's almost like a win-win situation because, you know, they got to develop these guys and get a good chemistry and play together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now that they may not make the play in, they're still going to be in that draft lottery. And who knows, you know, maybe their pick does move up and they get a strong draft pick. And that just adds to this team that already had a good chemistry last year. And, you know, who knows where they are next year and in the in the next couple of years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jazz were definitely surprised. And like I said earlier, I picked them Literally to be last in the West, and I was definitely not right there. So um, I had similar answers to you guys. I think we all all agreed on the most disappointing team being the Dallas Mavericks. Um, again, looking at my preseason predictions, I didn't have them at the very top of the West, but I had them at six. Um, you know, firmly still. I didn't think it, they'd be close to in the playoff play in race, though. I thought they'd be firmly in six. You know, not have to worry about that play in. And right now they're 11th. They're on the outside looking in, and they lost another game last night to the 76ers, where I watched almost that. I watched the whole game, and they actually played really well. Like, the first three and a half quarters of that game, I was like, wow, the Mavericks, you know, against the Sixers, they're playing really well, especially since they've been struggling recently. And then the end of the game comes, and they just stop defending, and they just stop making shots, and they just kind of blew it. (laughs) We just kind of... You know, been their M.O. for the season. And, you know, especially given the fact that they made that Kyrie trade, I know there were um, obviously defensive concerns and chemistry concerns. But even before that trade, they were 29 and 26. In the West, you know, if they kept up at that pace, they'd probably be the fifth, fourth seed. And since the Kyrie trade, they've been 9 and 13. Um, and so they just, they try to improve their roster I went after Kyrie and I understand it, but at the same time, Kyrie now is a free agent this offseason. And so it could have been all for nothing. Um and we know Luca is such a competitor. If they don't even end up making the play in, um, and Kyrie leaves, I don't imagine Luca's gonna be very happy. So <laughs> they're gonna have to do, you know, some relation uh relationship mending there if they don't want that situation to spiral out of control. Um, Not saying it will, you know, in these next couple of years, but we've seen more and more young players, you know, voicing their opinions on their team and, you know, being bold enough to request trades and things like that. I'm not predicting that, but uh, if they don't get their stuff together, I could very well see that happening. And for the most surprising team, I had the Kings as well. Um, Last year they were 30 and 52. They're already 45 and 30. They're third place in the West. Right now, they have the number one offense in basketball, and they currently have the best offensive rating in NBA history, which we know offense has been crazy this year. Um, but again, just looking at their team, it's not like they have a Steph Curry, a Damian Lillard, a Kevin Durant. Um, and they're still about to have the best offensive rating in in NBA history after this season ends. Um, so that's been extremely impressive. Uh, I've loved just watching them as a young team to grow. I've loved their light the beam campaign. You know, after their home wins, they have that big purple beam that shoots out of their arena. Um, so I'd love to see that that continue up a little bit more into the playoffs. But I've been very pleasantly surprised with the Kings. All right, we'll move on to the big one, the big award uh that everyone's waiting for, which is the most valuable player. Um, I think it's safe to say this is another super close race, as it has as a lot of these awards have been, but also how as it's been um at least last year was a was a very close MVP race. Um But I'll throw it to Nick first. Who do you have for your MVP for this year? Embiid. Embiid. <laughs> I
2: don't know. I listen. I I do. I do think it's close. I I I don't know. I mean, I just think what he's averaged like thirty three points a game. When I mean, you're talking about a guy, also like defensively, you could maybe make an argument for defensive player of the year too if you really wanted to. So, I I just think that this is a guy that has proven us wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to jinx him, knock on wood. You know, (laughs) he's been able to stay healthy. He's led this team. um, And... I, I just, I don't know. I, I think this year is his time. You know, I think the unfortunate thing is like, if you were really to be like, who's the most valuable player to your, to their team, there's probably other guys you would put in there. But if you're talking, it, it needs to be changed to who's, who's been the best player this year, however you yeah. want to call that. Cause it's not really the most valuable player. Um, right. It's just who's, who's been the best guy this year. And I think when it comes down to it, obviously there's three dudes. And I just think that it's crazy when you think about the league went, the league was this way at some point where your best players in your league were your seven footers. Um, And then it changed to where it was, you know, the, the guards and the wings and back and forth that way. And then kind of Kevin Durant came in the league and they were like, wow, this seven footer who can do all these things, this is really cool um and then we kind of went back to some guards and some wings a little bit and now I feel like we're back in the we're back in the era of I don't want to call it the big man but we're back in the era of the seven footers and I think that it's super fun to watch I think it's super fun to watch Giannis basically he's like just a more athletic Shack, and he's just murdering people you have you know Joel Embiid who's I, I he could he could score from almost anywhere uh, with his size and he's a super good defender as well too. When he really, when he really puts that effort into it. Um And I just, I don't know. I, I think he, I think he has it. I think he deserves it. I think this year is,
0: is his time to win it. Very nice. Very nice. I like the arguments, David, who'd you have for your MVP?
1: Uh I actually went with Giannis myself and it's kind of like what Nick said. It's, it was super close in terms of the race. However, um, let me pull it up real quick. I did write down some notes. Um, Now, Giannis just had, he was like 31, about 32 points per game, and 11, about 12 uh, rebounds as well. So he kind of was within the top 10, top five, both uh, points and rebounds. So, and on top of that, he's been the most important player on his team for the last five years. Mm -hmm. And he, to see this guy go from this scrawny kid, basically, (laughs) relatively wise, because he's what? Seven foot tall and he's super thin for a guy his size to what he is now and. Averaging 31, 32 points a game.
0: Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Um, and I love your guys' arguments for and beat all of your guys' arguments for Giannis. Again, I think it's been between the three of those guys, anyone that you could pick, I think um it could go to any of those three players. Um, this is another one where I did a bunch of my own research just cause I really wanted to, I was nerding out getting into all the stats and everything. And I created literally this formula of like all these stats and where the players ranked and all this stuff. I was nerding out last night. Uh My girlfriend Morgan was making fun of me, but that's okay. I was enjoying myself. Um, He's
1: but, trying to figure out where's X on the triangle for basketball <laughs> players.
0: Yes, exactly. Solve for X, solve for MVP. Um <laughs> But I essentially, minded all these stats and then also team success into it. Um, And with this that I created and I love that our picks went this way because I went with the third person in the group and I went with Nikola Jokic um, for his third MVP in a row. Um, And my reasoning for that is in terms of the stats and the numbers, um, both, uh, you know, not just stats, but also some analytic numbers. Jokic ranks first in the following stats or analytics. First in true shooting percentage, uh, first in player efficiency rating, first in uh, total win shares, first in box plus minus, first in value over replacement player. And then there's two uh, like all encompassing stats called Raptor and LeBron, which all of those letters stand for something. I don't know what they all mean, but they essentially take a bunch of different stats and data and put spit out a number. Um, and he's first in, in both of those as well. Uh, that's in addition to him being top five in both rebounds per game and assists per game. Um, in terms of the Nuggets team success, they're first place in the West. Um, and they're ahead of the Sixers right now in overall record. And they're three games behind the Bucks in overall record. Um, he also, right now, he's at 9.9 assists per game. But if, you know, in these last few games, if he gets over 10 assists, he could average a triple-double um, for the season, joining Russell Westbrook and Oscar Robinson as the only people to do so. And uh, I know he won the last two MVPs, so I would be okay with seeing one of those other two guys get it. But this year he's having an even better shooting and an even better assisting season than either of his last two uh, MVP seasons. So with that, I I agree that any of these three guys could very well win. And for me, when it boiled down to it, it was neck and neck between Jokic and Embiid. Um and I ended up just picking Jokic right now because his team is a a little bit higher in record wise. So, you know, I will say my opinion on this, there's still about six, seven games left for most teams. And it could change based on how those six or seven games uh end up, which I think is makes everything exciting in that we get to watch i am sad that mb didn't play in that game the other night that was going to be nuggets versus sixers um i was excited to see that because he did have a really good performance against jokic the earlier game um but i'm excited to continue to see all these three guys play for the rest of the season and uh when it comes down to it i think it will come down to the true end of the season to determine who's going to be the most valuable player Great! I love that we had three of us picking all, all those three guys because those are like the top three that everyone's talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think that was like the first yeah. time that we all had a different person. Yeah, something. You know what I mean? That's, and I, I I think that just like I said, it it goes to the fact of like you're talking about three dudes who, at their size, um, they can all score pretty much from anywhere even Giannis has improved his 3 point shooting and his jump shooting tremendously mm-hmm. since we first since he first got into the league oh yeah and uh and obviously they're they're all pretty good facilitators their basketball IQ is super high they're all pretty good defenders so you know I think I think it would be a huge feat for Jokic to win you know 3 in a row I think that's something that you know that would be crazy but uh but it, it is it, you know as 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 much as he probably does deserve that, it's been something weird where like the voters hate the same person winning it over and over and over again. And I just feel like Giannis has already gotten it. Jokic already has two in a row. That's why I kind of put Embiid in there a little bit too because I was like, maybe they'll look at him and be like, oh, he's something new, something different. He really exploded yeah. this season. You know, let's let's give him one. And it, which is a weird way to think about it because it should just <laughs> be like, who's who was the best? I don't understand, but. That is, that is really fun. So
0: yeah. And
1: everyone's getting E equals MC squared over here on the MVP vote. <laughs>
0: uh, that's true. That is true. Um, but Hey, I was bored last night and you know, I went for it, but, um, and mm-hmm. I think too, I think your point too, Nick is, is a good one. in that when I was looking at deciding my pick for MVP, um, I wasn't kind of making a prediction of who I think will win. I was just kind of looking at it just in a vacuum of this year, because I do agree that there are definitely going to be some people out there that say, um, you know, I don't think Jokic deserves three straight MVPs. There's going to be some people out there, like you said, that say, oh, Embiid hasn't gotten one yet; these other two guys do. And I think that's fine. I think everyone can make their own judgments on it, but for me. I kind of wanted to narrow myself in and just strictly like look at this season. Um, but, but there's definitely going to be some people who are, uh, you know, yeah. actually getting MVP votes on like us, unfortunately um, <laughs> yeah. that are going to look and at then, those things. There, there's always an excuse. You know what I mean? To which I, I, this is
2: why I hate like the MVP award. Cause it's not, it's, it's presented as like this, Oh, who's, who's the best player in the league. And it's, it's not people don't, right. People really don't – it's all about narrative, you know what I mean? that's like – I mean, you go back to the – there's probably a, like, six-year stretch where, like, you could give LeBron the MVP every single Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And, oh, was the East is too easy. Like, but he had – the Cavs had the best record, or he was on the Heat, and they had the best record, and they went to the finals. Like, you're – it's just – I mean, this man went to the finals, like, what, nine years straight pretty much? So you're – I, I don't, I don't know. So I, I do think it's a very arbitrary, like it's cool. Like I'm I'm happy one of these guys are going to get it. But at the end of the day, like I don't really put much stock in the MVP anymore because it's not, it's not a realistic representation of who really, who really was the most valuable to their team. And then who was the best player in the, in the league that year. I think that's a, that's a different conversation, a different award. And, and they kind of just are like, well, Whose team has the best record? Well, well, Nicole Jokic's team is first in the West, and the West is way harder than the East. So you know what? <laughs> that guy gets the award. And you're like, who? Like, you're dumb, dude. <laughs> I don't know. So it's just like, it, it doesn't It doesn't make any sense to me, like, why the real voters do that. Like, like actually look at who, you know, look at games, how many games people played. Like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, I, I think that's the other thing, too, is like, is as good like look at LeBron like imagine if people were just like who's the best player in the league and they're like LeBron well LeBron hasn't played 50 (laughs) games this year yes you may be right like he may be the best player in the league but he hasn't played enough games so you Mm -hmm. can't really give him the award but at the end of the day like I don't know I like I said the MVP award has always kind of bugged me since probably the early 2000s because I just feel like it hasn't really been an accurate representation of of who they've been giving it to and and there's been very few times where I feel like the person who got it really was, you know, the most valuable player or even the best player in the league.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, too, because, like, I know for me personally, if I were to give out my MVP today, like I said, it'd be Jokic. But if someone were to ask me who do I think is the best player in the league right now, I would say Giannis, who I had third on my MVP, just because what I saw from him in that in that finals way at the 50 points I just see his proven success and I see his hard work and everything else. Um, And I think it's a different question. And sometimes I think you're right. I think people do kind of think of it as the same thing when it's really not. For our last couple things here though, um, I think it's a good segue into, um, I've been liking to do these as we're rounding out to the year at the end of our episodes, just quick, like, who do you think is going to be in the conference finals? And then who do you think is going to, be or slash win the finals. Um, So I'll go to you, David. Who do you have uh, in the conference finals? Um, You can do west or east or east-west, however you want to do it.
1: All right. So for me, for the conference finals, uh, I think that the Kings will probably pick up a hot streak during the playoffs. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to make it to the west as well as the Nuggets. For the east, I'm going to go with Bucks 76ers. Um, Nice. I think that the Cavs will struggle a little bit, especially against 76ers. Um, and then when it comes to the finals, I think it'll be Kings Bucks with the Bucks winning.
0: Very nice. Very nice. It would be really cool to see the Kings get to the finals, I have to say. I know their fans would go crazy. <laughs> um, Nick, who'd you have? I'm going to mess everybody's day up real quick.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm going <stay> to <laughs> stay true to the East. I've said the Celtics and Cavs for a couple episodes. Now I'm going to say that's where we're at. Um, all right, all right. I do. I, I would love to say the Cavs are going to win this, but I do think this, <laughs> I think the Celtics win in seven. I think it goes seven games. I really, I really do. I unfortunately think like we're going to be dealt this heartbreaker um, only because that's like,
0: as, you are messing up all of our days here. Come on. Yeah, I know.
2: But as, I'm not like a true Cleveland sports fan because I'm only really a Cavs fan, but I just feel like only in Cleveland sports fans fashion, <laughs> Like, you know, we're not really supposed to be there because there's other teams that should be better, but we're going to make it. We're going to go on this run. You know what I mean? We're going to get to a game seven against arguably one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, I don't think they're going to blow us out in game seven, but I think it's just going to be like one of those losses. We're like, we lost by five. Like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> could we could we not just get blown out? I don't understand. You know what I mean. So I just think that like I I think that's what's gonna be. Um, here, here's what I'm gonna. I thought I was gonna mess everybody's days up. Um, Western Conference Finals. For some reason, I have this weird feeling. Right.
1: <laughs> okay. So, I so think I know me. where
2: you're going. <laughs> hear me out. All right. Trade deadline. I think the team that improved the most, um, was the Lakers, and LeBron. Hopefully comes back healthy. Anthony Davis has stayed healthy and he's been playing crazy. You talk about the way D Lowe's been playing. Bridges has been playing. Austin Reese has been playing. Vanderbilt's been playing. They have the role players. If LeBron can be 100%, I don't know if I can bet against LeBron and AD. (laughs) They're going to play the Grizzlies in the finals. And hear me out on this one. The Grizzlies have been messing around this season. Like when you talk, when you like, seriously, when you listen to what Steven Adams has said of what they've been partying, they'll go on the road, they'll party after games every night. Then they'll get back on the bus or the plane, they'll go to the next city or go back home and they'll go play games. And they've just been messing around. They haven't been taking it seriously. It doesn't seem like they've been immature. And with all this jaw stuff that happened, I'm wondering, like, if they dial in, like, really dial in. What, what does that look like? Like, that seems scary to me, especially when you talk about a team that potentially has a defensive player of the year on their team. They're super high defensive rating, and you have a superstar in John Morant who can get you 50 a night if he wants to. And the rest of that team is pretty solid. If, they, if their maturity level increases, and they dial in and they play hard, that's a scary team. And, like, I don't know why. Like I said, I... I I could have gone like I feel like the last couple of episodes I've been like it's going to be the Sons of the Warriors or the Sons in the Clippers which is what I feel like I do feel like that's probably the more probable thing but for some reason I was just like yo the Lakers have been playing nice even without LeBron.
0: Yeah.
2: And the Grizzly I just if if they dial in man it's going to be a fun time.
0: Mhm.
2: I think the Lakers win it. Experience. I think that's where it goes. You got a Lakers Celtics finals which is historic the nba is gonna like that money jason tatum <laughs> oh, wow. jason tatum has kind of sunned lebron the past couple times they played just saying but i think for whatever reason 4-3 game seven lebron james is going to pass to the corner your boy austin reeves is going to be at three <laughs> he's going to drain a three and they're going to win the finals that's honestly because I don't know. I just have this weird feeling. And you know what? I could be completely wrong. The Lakers could lose in the play and, and I, whatever. I'll, I'll be like, okay, I suck. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like – I have this weird feeling that we're going to get like a weird Western conference like Kevin Durant's back, but is he fully healthy? Can he stay fully healthy? I mm-hmm. don't really trust Chris Paul in the playoffs. He just – he for whatever reason, his whole career, he's just it, – when it matters, he's choked, and I don't understand why. And Devin Booker can't do it by himself. And as much as I like DeAndre Ayton, he's not a guy that you can be like, here you go, win us the game. That's just not how it's going to go. And, you know, the Warriors have just been so up and down. I don't trust Paul George or Kawhi. Kawhi can't stay healthy. And Paul George chokes in big moments in the playoffs. And... Ooh, we're going to trust Russell Westbrook. Okay, he had a good game the other day, but come on.
0: <laughs> come get, on like, now. Five threes last night? Hey. Come on now. Let's be realistic. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> Calm down, everybody. Um, And, like, listen, as much as I like the Kings um, and I like the Nuggets, I, I don't think the Nuggets are built for really a, a, a championship team. I like Jokic, but I don't know. I just feel like if you slow Jokic down, that offense – becomes non-existent because nobody's moving the ball and nobody's facilitating. And, and I just, I don't know if I trust that. I'd have to see it. Um, and the Kings are kind of playing with house money. They remind me a lot of like the heat too. Do they have the experience or enough to really push through? That'll be the question. So I don't know. Lakers, Grizzlies,
0: Celtics, Cavs, Lakers win in the finals in seven last minute. That would shot. be very Very entertaining, so I I would love to see it happen. I will say I think the next time we record will be in the middle of the two playing games, so there is a chance that by the next time we record, that could be not looking so good, but um, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. And I would love, obviously love to see LeBron get another championship. I'll root for that that pretty much over anything except for the Cavs winning. Um, But for me, I don't know if mine are as exciting, but I think they would still be great matchups to watch. Uh, in the western conference i have the nuggets against the grizzlies in the western conference finals um again i i don't think the lakers just recently i just haven't been able to fully trust the lakers even though they've looked good even when lebron's been out um and again unfortunately like i just don't i worry and i don't want this to happen but i still just worry about an untimely injury for them it seems to happen anytime they start getting right um so I'd love to see them getting there. I don't I don't see it happening. I agree the same thing, uh not the same thing, but the same thing you said, Nick, about the Suns. Um I think if I'm picking for finals favorites for next year, I might already pick the Suns. Um, but I think just this year and the fact that Katie just got there and then just got hurt, and then uh, you know, Chris Ball hasn't been his old self, and he does have those playoff issues. They may not have have had enough time together quite yet. Um, But yeah, I think the Grizzlies, I think, like you said, I think they do have another gear than they've played in the regular season so far. And so I think they can get to um, the Western conference finals. And I don't know. I just think I might be optimistic here because he hasn't shown it too much in the playoffs, but I do think Jokic will end up taking it to the next level. And I think that, um, either if he wins the MVP or not, either way, there's still going to be conversations of, you know, this guy can't do it in the playoffs, whatever it is. I think he might have something to prove there. Um, so I have the Nuggets getting to the finals. And then on the east side, uh, I have the Bucks versus Celtics. I would love to see the Cavs get there. Um, right now, they'd have to face the Bucs in the first round. And I just don't see that as a good matchup for them right now. I think they're still, you know, a year or two off of being able to to beat the Bucks in a playoff series. Um, but I have the Bucks actually beating the Celtics. I think they've been so good all year, and they haven't been fully healthy, and they're still the top team record-wise in the league. So now that everyone's getting healthy at the right time, um, I think they can really hit it off, and we've seen what Giannis has been able to do uh, in big pressure moments. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't the Cavs have played the Nets in the first round? I mean the second round, Sorry. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So if they get if they get to the next... I was next, like,
2: how does that work?
0: No. <laughs> I mean, uh yeah, they would if they win their first round series, then they'd go against uh the Bucs in the second round. Um so I misspoke there, but thanks for catching me. Yeah. So <laughs> no, you're good. I was just like what? <laughs> So yeah, I would have the Bucs get in there, I would have the Celtics, you know, beating the Sixers in the second round and then ultimately I think um I think the Bucs will get their revenge on the Celtics. I think home court uh might just determine that series. I do think that's one that could go to seven. I honestly think those are the two best teams in the league this year. Just so happens. I think that they're both in the Eastern conference. Um, with that being said, then I think I have Giannis, uh, beating the, beating the Nuggets. Oh my gosh. I almost said Jokic and Nuggets at the same time. Uh, in the finals, I have the, the, young-its. the, <laughs> the Yuggets <laughs> in the finals. I have Giannis and the Bucks beating Jokic and the Nuggets, um, I just think the Nuggets do not match up super well with the Bucks in that I don't think they have anyone who could guard Giannis at all. Um, you know, Jokic is not strong enough. Aaron Gordon is not probably not strong enough. So I don't think they have I don't think they have the defensive capabilities to guard Giannis. And so I think he might just have a couple games where he goes off like he did a couple years ago against the Suns and I see the Bucks winning the championship as of right now. But again, this is another thing where, you know, games could happen tonight and I could say, oh man, the Nuggets, they look real good. I don't know. Maybe they're going to win. Or maybe this, I think the Celtics actually play the Bucs tonight. Maybe they dominate the Bucs. And so it, it's changing all the time, but that's where I'm at right now. And I'm just excited that everything is so close. And I think, you know, obviously as Cavs fans, we enjoyed those years in the past where it was like, The Cavs are pretty much guaranteed to get to the finals, but just as a basketball fan in general, this is so much more exciting where there's so much more parody and, you know, you don't know what the finals matchup is going to be from day one of the season. Um, So I'm excited to see it all. uh, It all come out. I think next time, like I said, I think next time we record, we'll be right in the middle of the play in game. So I'm sure we'll have some exciting things to talk about uh, in that. And Thank you for everyone who made it uh, through the recording so far. Um, Let us know, you know, when we post this, if you want to shoot us a message on, you know, social media, who your award winners are, who your finals teams are, what your predictions are. Um, We'd love to hear what you guys all have to say and what you all think about it. But this has been another episode of Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we will see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content.
1: Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners.